Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Show Is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you should find me pretty easily. I would love to hear from you, chat with you, and uh, just see what's going on uh, in your life as well. Uh, So welcome to episode 39 of this show for October 4th, 2021. Fall is in full swing. October is here, and uh, for me, that means several things. Cooler weather, which matches so much better with my wardrobe than other seasons. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, it also means, uh, you know, pumpkin spice everything, which, you know, is kind of fun uh, for a little while. Then it's too much. Uh, <laughs> Halloween at the end of the month, of course. Some of the closest people in my life have their birthdays this month. So that's coming up. And, of course, playoff baseball. And if you're a person like me who loves baseball, Um, it's pretty fun. And so this is going to be a baseball themed episode, but not to worry if you're not a baseball fan, uh, there's plenty in here for you because this is about something a bit bigger than just baseball. But the title of today's uh, show is before we wait till next year, right? That's the great adage, right? If your team doesn't win, win it all, wait till next year. Well, that happened with my team yesterday. (laughs) Uh, they did not go any further. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but before we start talking about that, I want to kind of focus on what happened yesterday and this season with with my team. Um, but to kind of give you an idea of more largely where this is going to go, today's haiku goes like this. Our expectations too often overshadow the beauty of now. Our expectations too often overshadow the beauty of now. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today because uh, – because I think there's a larger lesson in this. It's not just going to be about baseball, but the larger things that I think we can draw from it. Uh, and first of all, before we go any further, I'd like to again thank this show's sponsor, Airway Science for Kids, a, a nonprofit based down in Portland, Oregon, that uh, helps underserved youth find life and career pathways in aviation and aerospace. And uh, they do magnificent work down there and uh, are really having an influence um, even more broadly than just outside Uh, the Portland area, and I'm very appreciative of their support. And if you want to check out uh, more about them and see the great work they're doing, check out airside.org, A-I-R-S-C-I.org, or you can reach out to them directly via email at info at airwayscience.org. So uh, be sure to check that out. Okay, so uh, this I'm I'm up in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I've been a Mariners fan pretty much since I was seven years old. And this past weekend was one of the most exciting uh, weekends, most exciting periods in for this team and for the fans of the team in the last 20 years. And uh, I just want to kind of lay this out and, and uh, tell you a little bit about it. Um, the Mariners have are a, a team that has been, um, depending on who you ask, <laughs> has let's just say everybody agrees they've had difficulty reaching the top. They are the only... Major League Baseball team to have never played in a World Series, never mind never having won a World Series. They've been in existence since, since 1977 when they were an expansion team in Major League Baseball. And uh, with the exception of the, the fantastic 1995 season where they went to the playoffs for the first time and beat the Yankees and that ended up saving baseball in Seattle and building a new stadium and all that. Other than that year up through 2001, 2003 in there, uh, the team has really struggled. Uh, to be successful. 
And so being a fan of the Mariners uh, sometimes has felt like a chore. <laughs> Other times uh, it could feel like a punishment. <laughs> and at its worst could feel like a relationship that just was really one-sided. <laughs> so uh, at least for a lot of people in the fan base. But that was different. Uh, this year was different. And uh, just really quickly, uh, the Mariners, they haven't been in the playoffs in 20 years. It is now the longest shortage uh, between playoff visits of any American sports franchise in any of the major sports. So baseball, football, basketball, hockey. And so there was a chance over this past weekend for the Mariners to break that streak. They were uh, in contention for a wild card slot to get into the playoffs. And uh, long story short, they fell one game short yesterday. Uh, they didn't get there. They lost the game, but even if they'd won, there were a couple of teams ahead of them. Teams you've heard of, the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, who ended up winning, and so they're moving on, the Mariners are not. And uh, so, yes, there, there is that drought continues uh, for another year. And, and yet, I, when I woke up this morning and I looked, read the papers, the discussion had already moved on to next year. What does it mean for the Mariners next year? Are they going to spend money now that the team was in contention? And it was a surprise they were in contention. I'll talk about a little bit why in a minute. Are they going to spend more money and bring in more free agents and kind of get over the hump next year and get into the playoffs? It had already moved on from that. And <laughs> I'm going to pump the brakes on that <laughs> a little bit today because it's, it's indicative of something larger that I think is an issue, not just with sports, but something that we do as people that I think hinders and hurts us on some level. We tend to, when something happens, particularly something that we wish didn't happen, so like we didn't make the playoffs, but even if we had, we tend to move on really quickly from the moment that we were just in, a really good moment or maybe even a tougher moment, and start thinking about the next moment. We want to know what's going to happen next. And I don't really want to do that with this, with the Mariners just yet. Maybe even it's just for this, for the duration of this show. Uh, I'd like to just take a day, if nothing else, to focus on what just happened and not on what it all, what's all, what it's all going to mean coming up. Um, so before I do that, let me give you a little bit of background on, on my story, uh, how I became a Mariners fan. I am not originally from Seattle. Uh, but I became a Seattle Mariners fan actually before I ever knew where Seattle was. Uh, I was about seven years old and I lived in Hawaii at the time and I lived on the big island. And of course, there's no professional, at least major league sports uh, franchises in Hawaii and on, certainly not on the big island either. And when I was seven, uh, my family took a, a trip to Honolulu and my dad took me to Pearl Harbor. And it's the first time I'd been there. I was learning about it. I was really interested in history from a young age, as listeners of this show know. And I went to the Arizona Memorial and learned all about the Navy. And my grandfather was in the Marines and fixed airplanes. This was all very heady stuff and exciting stuff for a seven-year-old kid. And then on that same trip, my dad took me to my very first professional baseball game, even though it wasn't a major league team. At the time, Honolulu had a minor league team, a AAA affiliate, one level below the major leagues. A team called the Hawaii Islanders, and they play at Aloha Stadium, where currently the University of Hawaii's football team plays. The Pro Bowl is held there for the NFL every once in a while. And my dad took me to that game. It was the Hawaii Islanders, and they were playing a team from Spokane, the Spokane Indians, which at the time was the AAA affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Now, this is 1980-ish, 80, I think. And so the Mariners were brand new, and they weren't very good. <laughs> and 
Uh, I remember seeing watching this game. I was so fascinated. And I was already playing t-ball and regular baseball, so it was it was really exciting for me to see guys who were doing it at such a high level. And I remember very clearly the moment I became a Mariners fan. Uh, the the uh, the souvenir guy was walking around right the, when they used to have those guys that walked around selling foam fingers that say number one, little inflatable baseball bats, pendants, that type of thing. And they were walking around selling them for both teams as well as their parent clubs. And in this case, there was a Mariners pennant that was for sale. And the Mariners had the trident at the time with the star behind it as their logo. And I, I didn't know what a Mariner was. And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what's a Mariner? And he said, well, it's another word for a sailor. I had just been to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I had just seen huge ships of the U.S. Navy. All this kind of stuff was all in my mind. And I said, that's my baseball team, Dad. And my dad, who is now a Mariners fan <laughs> living up here, he tried to talk me out of it. <laughs> he said, he said, J.D. says, they're not very good. And I said, I don't care. That's going to be my team. And we bought the pennant. I still have the pennant, right? And uh, so I became a Mariners fan. Now, they were never on TV because they stunk. And so, and they weren't, their box scores didn't show up in the newspaper in the small town in Hawaii that I lived in. And so it was only every once in a while, like usually when they were playing the Yankees or the Red Sox or a, a bigger team like that, that their box scores would appear in the newspaper. And so I would, I knew the players on the Mariners, but I'd never seen them. And I got really excited every year when the new baseball cards came out because I could start seeing who these people were. If I would get Mariner cards, I could see what these guys look like. Oh, I know that name. I know that name. I know that name. So they just really existed as a figment of my imagination. <laughs> and so, but I was a huge Mariner fan from a very young age. And then when I moved to Southern California, when I was about 10, I lived close to where the California Angels, now the LA Angels, uh, play. And so every time the Mariners would come, as often as I could, I would go and see them play. And oftentimes I was the only person in there rooting for the Mariners. This was still, still a time where the Mariners had not become a successful franchise yet. And so I would be the only one. I had a cousin up here uh, in the Seattle area who sent me a T-shirt. And so I had a T-shirt that I wore until it nearly fell off of me. Um, to every single game, and I would every game I could go to, I would go. And uh, when Ken Griffey Jr. came up and became the first real bona fide megastar for the Seattle Mariners, I went out and sat in center field whenever I could down in Anaheim and cheered him on. It was a really fun thing. When I moved to Seattle a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, by then I was a huge fan. The 2001 season, which was the most successful season uh, for the Mariners, uh, came and went. And uh, by then, I was a bona fide Seattle sports fan, and it mattered a lot to me. <laughs> I invested a lot in uh, my fandom. I've been to the Mariners Park, T-Mobile Park, well over 150 times, probably. I just sat down and did the math today for various games over that, that time span. I love to go. I love to go to baseball games, period. And I love sports more broadly than that. But I started hitting a wall, and this is kind of what I wanted to to talk a little bit about today, because I think this happens to more people than just me. In 2013, I began to reevaluate my relationship with myself and sports. <laughs> Not so much to the Mariners. The Mariners were going through a, a real tough period at the time, uh, but just in general. And it actually started in 2013 with the Seattle Seahawks, the football team in town. Well, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl that year, and they won it, won it handily, but I didn't enjoy a moment of it despite being a huge fan. I was so nervous. The Seahawks had never won a championship. It had been a long time since the Seattle sports team had won a championship. And I couldn't even watch the games they were in. 
um, I would record them, and then if they won, I would watch the games later. If they lost, I didn't bother. When they came, when they got to the playoffs, some of the most memorable moments in the history of of Seattle sports. I wasn't watching them live. I was so stressed out, and in particular, it was because I was identifying so closely with them and with fans who were taking this very, very personally. Right? I felt personally invested, and frankly, was over invested in their success. And so, in the Super Bowl, they completely crushed the Denver Broncos. In uh, and it started right from the very beginning of the game. And I couldn't enjoy it. I stood in uh, a friend's house in their kitchen in one square tile of their kitchen watching the game, texting with my buddy down in Southern California who was telling me, oh, this is, you got it in the bag. The Seahawks were up by four or five touchdowns with six minutes left, and I couldn't relax. I couldn't rest. And so when they won it, I felt relief, not joy, not excitement. And wouldn't you know it, the next morning, literally the next morning, I woke up with pneumonia. I missed the parade that I wanted to go to in downtown Seattle. And I began to wonder if maybe I was maybe going a little too far with what this meant for me. I was, I was enmeshing with this memory. Later that, when baseball season started, I went with a buddy of mine to a Mariners game and was sitting in the upper deck. And one of the Mariners players uh, grounded out four times in a row to second base. And this was a player who was supposed to be doing really well for them. And I kind of vented my spleen, as they say, (laughs) to my friend sitting next to me, not just about this particular player, but about all the things that the Mariners didn't do well or done wrong and, and all these kinds of things. And he just listened very patiently. And then in his own very good way, asked if maybe, um, (laughs) I was overdoing it a bit (laughs) and, uh, I, I can't really, express to you exactly what he said. But it was a real profound moment to me where I went, oh my gosh, I am going too far with this. My ex- And the problem was me. The problem was not the Mariners. The problem was not the Seahawks. The problem was not the other teams that I always blamed for beating them, right? I, at the time, I absolutely hated the Oakland Athletics who seemed to beat, us all, beat the Mariners all the time. Of course, I hated the Yankees and the Red Sox because that's just how things go. And in football, I hated the Dallas Cowboys. I all these types of things. And I began to wonder, what was that costing me? What were my expectations doing? I was putting an enormous amount of power into the hands of professional athletes who had no idea that I individually exist and in situations that I had absolutely no control over. (laughs) None. And in fact, the players themselves only had so much control over the overall outcome. That's what a team sport is about. (laughs) And so... Those two things together got me thinking, and I I actively started changing my approach to sports. I stopped being superstitious about what I would wear. So, like, if if I was wearing a Seahawks jersey in a certain game and they won, I would try and wear it the next week, right? I stopped doing stuff like that. Um, I actively started looking at other baseball teams that I'd once hated to find good stories about players and things they were doing in the community that I would like. I remember Jerry Seinfeld's uh, famous joke that you don't root for a sports team, you root for their laundry, right, what they're wearing, <laughs> and recognizing that no matter wherever a player came from, if it was Mary wearing the, the colors and the uniform of my team, I was going to root for them. So it wasn't about any of them individually. And it led to things like me, I stopped heckling, at least in a serious way, uh, the way I used to. I used to shout at players that I didn't like on the opposing teams, and I stopped doing that. And... I started really enjoying sports a lot more again. 
and I guess you could say I was right-sizing it. <laughs> and, um, and it also got me away from this identification that if my team didn't win at all or didn't look good playing or didn't get to the playoffs, that somehow it was a reflection on me. And if this sounds crazy to you, you're probably not an avid sports fan, um, but it happens a lot. Uh, over-identification with these kinds of things. And what it was doing, it was robbing me of enjoyment, the entire purpose of me going. And so what I started to focus on instead, uh, instead of worrying about the outcomes, I started focusing on the experience of the games. And so particularly with baseball, which I love to experience, I will watch a baseball game anywhere. And uh, even though I want the Mariners to do well uh, every single year, I do like to follow them very closely, even if they, they aren't going, doing very well. And not all fans are like that. Well, this season, what happened this season was amazing. The Mariners are in the third year of a rebuild. They stripped everything down, got rid of all their high-priced players a few years ago, and openly told their fans that it was going to take them three or four years to get back into contention. They were going to rebuild from the ground up, rebuild their farm system, draft well, not get expensive uh, contracts until they could actually add them into the team to get them over the top. And everybody was expecting them to be one year away. All the experts this season, when the season started in April, predicted the Mariners were going to win 70 games and probably finish in last place in their division. Well, they won 90 games and finished second in their division and went all the way down to the wire. And what was amazing was the rest of the country didn't notice until about a week ago. And Mariner fans are used to that. <laughs> okay, But in this case, what was interesting is everybody wanted to know how they had done it. And Mariner fans like me and others who've been following the team knew how they were doing it. Really good pitching, particularly in the bullpen, who could pitch the latter half of the games. Really, really quality hitting at really, really important times. Uh, and great defense. And, as it turned out, and was clearly on display this weekend, a very strong, tightly knit team. These guys genuinely liked each other. They genuinely worked hard, and they weren't stuck in the past, unlike most Mariner fans, as I have noticed. Many who refuse to support the team until they win a World Series, or same old Mariners, they're going to break just good enough to break your heart, blah, 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 blah. And there's all of that. But this team, full of young guys, many of them drafted by the team, uh, refused to get caught up in all of that, refused to feel the burden of a 20-year drought. Instead, they became a team that when they were down 3 nothing, 4 nothing early in the game, you didn't worry about it. They were going to get back there. They won more games, uh, one-run games, than any other team in baseball this season, which means they played really tough and they really had to step up in high-pressure moments all season, and they won more often than they lost. And it was fun. On Saturday night, this past Saturday night, I went to the game, and it was a sellout. Three straight sellouts for the final series to see if the Mariners could break the drought. And I went to Saturday night's game, and it's the, it's the game that they won during the, during the homestand. And it was a back-and-forth affair, and the place was sold out. 44,000-plus people were in the stands. And when the Mariners came back in the eighth inning to take the lead and then eventually win the game, the place was shaking and swaying. I had never experienced that in that ballpark before. Every player coming to, coming to bat was having their name chanted by the crowd. And earlier this season, I mean, earlier that week, people were showing up with the team in the middle of a, a pennant race. 14,000, 17,000 people were showing up. And for this weekend, 
It's like the culmination of their hard work finally got recognized at the end of this. And they all got their names chanted. And yesterday, a legend in, in this town who played with the Mariners for 10 years, Kyle Seeger, was pulled early from the game when it was clear the Mariners weren't going to make the playoffs because he's probably not going to be here next year and got a wonderful send-off, uh, a tearful send-off. And it was just a beautiful thing. And it got me thinking about expectations. <laughs> Nobody expected this team to do anything this year. And then they defied expectations and electrified the city again. It's the most excited this city has been for baseball in maybe 20 years. And yes, the future looks bright. Right? All these guys are going to be back next year. They'll have a chance to add more players. They could be even better next year. They could. But a lot of things can go wrong with expectations. You know, there's old wisdom in Alcoholics Anonymous that says expectations are ready-made resentments. <laughs> If you have expectations and they aren't met, they'll become resentments. And that's what's happened to a lot of Mariner fans over the last 20 years is they become really, really resentful. And a team can do everything a fan base wants it to do, and it may not work the next year. Just because teams spend an, exp an exorbitant amount of money doesn't mean they're going to be successful every single year. There's so many things that can happen. And what I have learned is to really try to enjoy the experience. The thing I'm most excited about for myself from this past season is that I was paying attention the whole time. I was going to games with 9,000 other people <laughs> earlier in the season. I was watching their games on television. I was talking to people who were other fans when a lot of people weren't paying attention. I got to have the experience of seeing this team become this tight-knit, go on this run, electrify the city to the point that last week, which is unheard of in Seattle, the Seahawks weren't being talked about, number one. It was the Mariners first, the new Kraken hockey team second, and the Seahawks third. It was crazy. I hadn't seen that in forever. And that by itself was a beautiful thing. And I didn't have any expectations this season that the Mariners were going to win the division or even go to the playoffs. And so I got to have the joy of being surprised and the joy of having chosen to be a part of it in my own small way and not have it be more than just this. Because the Mariners didn't make the playoffs, and I know a number of fans are like, oh, they didn't make it again. So what? The experience of this team this year is something that is worth celebrating by itself. I will not forget that game on Saturday night. They lost the next day and didn't go to the playoffs. So what? That night, it was rocking. That night, the team and the fans were connected in ways that I hadn't seen forever. And that was fun. And the, it, it translates over, I think, pretty well. If, if you're a fan of a team and you won't go see them or you hate them because they haven't done what you've hoped they were, how much of the problem is the team and how much is the problem that your expectations aren't being met? Particularly with a team like the Mariners that's under new ownership, new management. There are, there are people who still won't support them. And it, to me, that's the equivalent of, like, once years ago, you got food poisoning at a restaurant. And since then, the restaurant has changed ownership. <laughs> it's changed names. It's maybe even changed cuisines. And you won't go there still because of that experience. That seems kind of lame. <laughs> and that's not their problem. That's your problem. Right? If the relationship you have with your sports team is not favorable because you think they're not showing up for you or not meeting your expectations, go start another relationship <laughs> with another team. 
Go root for the Yankees where it's easier. Go root for the Red Sox where it's easier because they're better more of the time. If that's really what you need, go do that. No one's stopping you. But if you really want to have the experience of growing with something and maybe being surprised, maybe having a different, maybe the expectation shouldn't be on a certain outcome, but maybe on enjoying the experience and seeing what happens could be fun. And what often happens, at least certainly in this case, is end up not only being surprised, but getting enormous value out of actually what happens. And in this case, this Mariners team that just finished its season yesterday, falling a bit short, they did not fall short in my eyes. They did not fall short to my, you know, for my expectations because I just wanted them to play well. I wanted them to grow, and they did. And now I get to have some excitement and some hope for the future, but I don't have to put huge expectations on them in that. And it's kind of the way I want to live my life. <laughs> I don't want to have expectations for my job, for my relationships, for my endeavors. I might want to have goals. I might have places that I want to go, but I don't want it to be at the expense of what's around me in the moment. Because who knows what I might experience in the moment that's actually going to help me get there faster or maybe change my mind or maybe decide that something is better for me. Maybe it feels a little bit like a stretch with this with sports, but I don't think so. Considering that there's a lot of people who really draw a lot of their identity from how their sports teams do, right? there's an unhealthy level. I reached that. <laughs> and I reached unhealthy levels once upon a time in my expectations um, in my own relationships, in my own job. And the thing with expectations like that, they're often unrealistic. There are 30 teams in Major League Baseball. There are 32 in the other professional sports leagues. If every single team just traded every year and won their own championship, every team was going to go through a 30-year drought of not winning a championship. Rooting for a sports team means the majority of the time you are going to be ultimately disappointed <laughs> if the only thing you're looking for is to win championships so that you can ha get bragging rights. There's a lot more to these things, it seems to me, than that. And this year's Mariners team really showed me that. And I'm always going to be appreciative of the life lessons that I'm getting from this team. And I'm really excited for them, not just for what's going to be coming up, for just for the season they had. And so I wanted to tip my cap to them today and to all the fans uh, that have been rooting for them all year. Okay, I could talk about baseball forever, but I only have so much time. So I need to sign off for now. So thanks for uh, sitting and listening to this episode of This Show is All About You. I am your host, JDK Winnikin. Check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at my website, wordsbyjdk.com. And uh, <laughs> until next week, everyone, batter up all. See ya.